Good morning. Great to see everyone out this morning. Hopefully excited to study the Word of God. Or maybe just tired. But hopefully we can all get focused in on service together with open hearts and open minds. I don't have to tell you that there are a lot of debates in modern Christianity. Lots of arguments, lots of pressure points. They are unfortunately common and unfortunately heated. You can find people that will argue just about any verse and just about any interpretation. But two of the most widespread and fundamental of these debates that I'm sure we've all heard of is works versus grace. And faith versus baptism. Basically, the moment that you get interested in Christianity for the first time, you are going to run into these debates. And people are going to try to pull you onto their team. Are you team works or are you team grace? Are you team belief alone or are you team baptism? And if you don't agree with me, I don't think we can talk anymore. And you can read hundreds of commentaries and listen to thousands of sermons and read tons of articles. And all of it sounds pretty convincing. So the question is, where do I stand? Where am I supposed to stand in these fights? It can be kind of overwhelming. But this morning, we're going to look past the religious debates. We're going to look past commentaries and church history. And we're going to look at what Paul says about grace and faith and works and baptism. What God has to say to us in Romans 6. And not to spoil too much of the lesson now, because I don't want you to fall asleep on me, but I think that as we read this passage, it's going to become pretty clear that these debates aren't really debates at all, because you need all four. All four of these things, grace and works and faith and baptism, are all absolutely necessary and part of God's plan. But before we get into Romans 6, I just want to say a few words about where we are in the book. Up to this point, and especially in chapters 4 and 5, Paul has talked a lot about grace. Like a lot, a lot. In chapter 5 especially, we see Paul talk about grace as a gift of God, amazing and boundless and free and necessary for salvation. It is what ensures us, it is what forgives sin. That's the power of God's grace. 
And so you say, well, that sounds pretty cut and dry. So that's where I stand on grace versus works. I stand firmly in camp grace. But Paul anticipates people misunderstanding what he's saying. And as he gets to the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6, he's going to say, but I don't want you guys to misunderstand me. When I'm talking about grace and how amazing and boundless and free it is, that's true. But that doesn't mean that you have a license to just do whatever you want. And so that's where we're going to pick up. Uh, If you want to actually pick up with me, we'll start in chapter 5, verse 20 and read all the way through 614. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 20. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace." So there's a lot going on here. It is a, at points, kind of complicated passage. But I thought it was important to read it all and see the sort of progression of thought as Paul goes through all of these ideas, sort of rapid fire. But let's take the time to break this up into smaller chunks and really dive in to what Paul is saying. So if you want to read together again, we'll again start in chapter 5, verse 20, and we'll stop at verse 2 of chapter 6 this time. 
Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace might also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So we're jumping in kind of at the end of a thought. But honestly, it's really hard to find a place in Romans where you're not jumping in at the end of a thought. So I just kind of picked the place I thought was best. But Paul has been talking about how Adam and Eve brought sin into the world. Whereas Christ brought sin out of the world through his death and resurrection. By dying a sinless man, he is able to plug us into the path of grace and faith and righteousness. And that's one of the reasons that Paul brings up the law here, because the law of Moses by itself didn't invent sin. It didn't bring sin into the world. And similarly, it didn't take sin out of the world. Whereas Jesus came and by his life was able to raise himself in newness of life, enabling us all through his conquering of death, to be able to plug into the outlet of grace and life and righteousness. Paul says that Jesus came and he provided salvation through grace as a free gift. But again, Paul anticipates people interpreting this the wrong way. Paul hears himself say grace is a free gift and expects this question. Well, if grace is boundless and free and given by God, and all of those things are true, and if all the sin that I commit can be canceled out, which is also true, then why wouldn't I just keep sinning as much as I want and then just let Jesus kind of cover it all on the back end? Can I live however I want to live and just expect grace to cover it all? And Paul's answer is by no means. He says no just about as strongly as you could possibly say no. Paul is bolding and underlining and highlighting, no, that is not how a Christian's life works. You can't, as a Christian, expect to just live however you want and, quote unquote, get away with it. But that doesn't mean a Christian never sins. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Don't misunderstand that. Paul isn't saying that a Christian will never sin again. Paul is talking about giving yourself over to a life of sin. Purposefully going down the path of sin. Paul says you can't do that as a Christian. And we have to ask the question, why? Since grace saves us, since grace is free, why live a righteous life? 
And Paul says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Paul says we have put that sinful life behind us completely so that we can now live for Christ. Which, as Paul puts it in 521, the free gift of grace, grace through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus. The idea is that we should want to live in righteousness for Jesus. But the question you need to be asking yourself is how have we died to sin? Paul says you can't go back to sin because you're dead to sin. That part's dead. And so the question you should be asking was, well, Paul, in what way are we dead to sin? And that's exactly what Paul talks about next in baptism. So pick back up in verses 3 through 7. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. And we'll stop there for now. You see what Paul does here? Paul talks about baptism as a participation in the very death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He pictures baptism as a sort of reenactment of Jesus' own sacrifice. And that's important. Because Paul says when we are baptized, we tap into the very gospel story that perfect, gracious sacrifice of Jesus. And not only that, but when we are raised out of the water, we are granted life through God's grace. We are granted the hope of eternal life. You see how important this baptism is. That baptism is the way that God transforms you from this life of sin, this life that's going to lead to death, and raises you up as a new creature of life and grace. Which is why we say baptism is essential. This is God's recreation process through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That this is the very way we kill the old man of sin in our lives. Baptism brings us from sin and death to grace and life. And baptism changes our spirit from a spirit of sin to a spirit that desires to live a righteous, faithful life. But notice what else Paul says. The baptism sets us free so that we too might walk in newness of life. 
But what does that actually mean? What does it mean to walk in this newness of life? And that's what Paul focuses on in verses 8 through 11, what this new life looks like. Now, we, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, since we are now new living creatures, created for grace and life, it's time to live like it. In other words, living in a manner that honors that life of grace. Living in a way that honors that sacrifice of Jesus. That this new spirit that we are created in will want to honor God through the way we live. What Paul is saying is if you think that what you want to do after you've been baptized is, well, now I can live however I want, you've missed the point. You don't understand what it means to be recreated in God. You don't understand what belief and repentance is. You don't understand what the way of righteousness is. Live in a manner that is a pure life, following God's commandments, staying away from the sin that we already killed in baptism. So you can kind of track the line here of Paul's progression, that God in his infinite grace freely sent Jesus to die and rise as our sacrifice so that we can have life by dying to our sin and being raised anew in baptism so that we can live righteous lives, so that we can have the hope in faith of a final resurrection and eternal life. It's all there. You can't remove a single piece from the puzzle and still expect it to be God's plan of salvation. And look at the conclusion that Paul makes in verses 12 through 14. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace." So Paul gives two conclusions here. Both are how we can live this newly created righteous life. The first is don't go back to sin. You've died to that. Don't return. That part of you is over. Even after you're baptized and transformed by God's grace, I have bad news. The devil is still going to tempt you. You are still going to sin sometimes, even though you are this new creature created in God's grace. What Paul's saying is sin should be a painful 
exception in your life. Not the standard, not the way you choose to live your life, but sin should hurt you. You shouldn't want to sin. It should be, as Paul will say later in Romans, what you do not want to do. So Paul says, don't cave in. Don't live however your impulses tell you to, so that grace may abound. Keep away from sin. But the second point that Paul makes is to let God work through you. To let him reflect his love and grace through you to those around you. To let others see God in you. And that's the beautiful picture of all of this. Paul says you started as tools of evil, tools of sin, tools of Satan, tools of death. That's where you started. That's where you were before you converted. And yet, through God's free grace, he has converted you. He has created you anew into a tool for him for good things, for righteous things, for a pure life. Why would you want to go back? Why would you want to have one foot in, I want to be a tool for good here, but I also want to have a toe in being a tool for death too? Paul says if that's the picture you have of a Christian's life, you don't understand it. If you truly understand God's grace, you're not going to want to go back to sin. You're going to want to serve him and be a tool for his good deeds and his righteousness. So that's the message of Romans 6. You're a tool of God by his grace. Live like it. It's not a battle between the free gift of grace and of a righteous life. It's not of a battle between the importance of a physical baptism and a true belief and faith. It's not a battle between these things because we need all of them. The free gift of God is absolutely, unmistakably what saves us. We are completely helpless without it. But God offers this gift almost like an like a electrical outlet. Right, The power's there, all you got to do is plug into it. And the way that God has given you to plug into it is through this repentance and baptism and life lived for him. So that's the true view of grace and salvation. The question is, what do we do with it? And the first thing I want to talk about is we as Christians have to accept the power of God's grace. Many of us who have grown up in the Church of Christ, i got to be careful the way I say this because my parents are here. Many of us who have grown up in the Church of Christ, we've heard a lot of good sermons on what you should do and what you shouldn't do. We've heard a lot of good sermons about do and do not. And yet, the only time we ever hear the word grace is when we sing Amazing Grace. A lot of us who have grown up in the church of Christ just do not talk about the grace of God. I've told this story no telling how many times here, but I'm going to tell it again. Of a preacher that was going to do a gospel meeting that 
this, uh, this preacher that I know who was going to do a gospel meeting, and when he was talking with the elders there, he said, I want to name the meeting Saved by Grace. And they called him back and they said, no, we don't really think that gives the right impression of what we actually believe and what we do here. And the meeting ended up getting canceled because of it. The problem is Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that one may boast, but for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The problem is you cannot escape the concept in the Bible, you are saved by God's grace. Anything else is completely unbiblical. Grace is what saves us. God's grace is what changes us. Without God's grace, we are completely hopeless. So the first thing that we have to unlearn is do not diminish God's grace ever, ever, ever. And I think what we're scared of is we know that there are plenty of people like what Paul says that's going to hear, well, if God's grace is this gift that's freely given, then I guess I can just kind of do whatever I want. And that's the other point of Romans 6, is that yes, God's grace is freely given, and it's so much bigger than you could possibly think of. It is boundless and limitless, but God asks you to live in his grace. Paul says, by no means are you to just live in sin because God's grace is limitless. That if that's what you think God's grace is about, you've missed the point. Because Paul talks about baptism as a crucifixion of our old lives of sin. That is a violent, nasty picture. And that's exactly what Paul wants you to get from it. Sin isn't just kind of hurt or kind of killed off. Sin is gone. It has been shamed. It has been completely eviscerated in your life. It's gone. So be changed. We have been raised anew, created by God's grace with a desire to do the will of God, to be instruments of righteousness, to be the good workmanship that God can use for his good works. And Paul says if you really understand God's free gift of grace, you are going to want to live in a way that honors the sacrifice of Christ. You will want to follow what God says to do. You will want to live a godly, righteous life. And again, that's not to say you're not going to sin. Because you will. But again, sin is supposed to be the painful exception in our life. Sin is supposed to bother us deeply. Because that's not what we were created for. And if you find yourself as a Christian 
in a place where you are content with sin, you are content with living an ungodly life, then we need to start from ground zero. We need to talk about Jesus' sacrifice. We need to talk about grace. We need to talk about what baptism is because somewhere along the way, you've forgotten your purpose. Paul says when you truly understand what God has done for you, when you actually accept God's grace, that's going to change who you are. Because it can only change who you are. That's all God's grace can do in you. You will be created anew. We don't offer the traditional come to the front as we stand and sing invitation in this section. And don't worry, Sam, I'm not going to offer one. can't be that important, we'll happily put off class and we'll, and we'll be happy to take care of that today, right now, because it is absolutely that important. So to answer the question, where should I as a Christian, or maybe where should we as a group of Christians here at Fairview Park? Where do we fall in the, am I team grace or am I team works? Am I team faith or am I team baptism? The answer is the true view of scripture is that these teams don't exist. These debates don't exist. It's all of the above. God is not an either or God and he does not expect his people to be an either or. The true view of Romans 6 is you need grace and works, faith and baptism, and God has power to save you, and he's calling on you to do something about it. He's calling on you to accept to live in a life of his grace and reflect that love and grace to others. That's the story of Romans 6, and to an extent, 
the story of the entire Bible. Let's pray and then be dismissed to our classes. Heavenly Father, help us to never shy away from accepting and sharing your amazing grace, the free gift that you have shown us on the cross. Help us to look to our baptisms to remember the way that you have created us with a new believing spirit. And help us to honor your sacrifice every day by living the way that you have commanded and by showing that love and grace to others. Strengthen all of us here so that we may live in a way that acknowledges your grace and accepts your sacrifice. We pray all of this in your Son, the perfect example of grace's name.